0: And we're rolling. What's up everybody? Thanks for listening to Modern Guilt. Thanks for coming for the first time. Thanks for coming back again. We love you. We are sitting down on a Tuesday morning for me in Brisbane, past midday for Damon on in New Zealand. And Doing uh, we're OJ. gonna join some OJ. I'm enjoying a coffee which I just made in my kitchen with some oat milk in it. It's my first time drinking a homemade instant coffee with oat milk in it. And I'm actually, I think I like it. I'm enjoying it. That's cool. So, yeah, we're going to talk again about all things uh, politics, society and culture. We're going to explore the dystopia, dive into it, break through it. Yeah, man. But
1: first, we were chatting before this um, about like people that you see walking down the street uh you know who just seem happy and when you look at that and just wondering like you know if that's the natural state
0: Mm -hmm. yeah of humanity right
1: And and i and i truly don't think a lot of people are i think a lot of people are like really unhappy
0: i completely agree with you man yeah man
1: i i think like a lot of people are you know sort of resigned to a very low grade of misery that just kind of will exist on this like shitty um perpetual Scale because you know, I think a lot of life kind of sucks from most most people that you meet. But I think I'm fucking gym-pilled now, man. So I was out on Saturday night, right? And my buddy um basically hit me up and he's like, Hey, come out. Uh, you know, come out, bro. It's gonna be this sick fucking night. (laughs) And I like rock up over to this house. Um, and there's just like five dudes sitting around in a circle. I'm like, oh sick man thanks for inviting me yeah sick
0: night
1: (laughs) and they're all like fucking huge right um and they're they're all these big fucking gym dudes Mm -hmm. uh and you know i was sort of like all right well i'm here now let's hang out have a beer and go do whatever as the night wore on man i just got this fucking fascinating insight into like big gym culture yeah um, right And Christchurch, i guess but like that's also something that i'm loosely aware of because i use the internet you know and mm-hmm. would it, for whatever reason gym dudes love to hang out online they do yeah um and they were just all really fucking positive and fit as one would imagine you know and i remember like a in a previous pod you're talking to me about like you know do you think lads are kind of happy yeah to, to which i would say no i think depending where they are in the fucking you know like where they position themselves uh Like, I know a lot of dudes who have gone on to, you know, work in banking or law and stuff, and they're fucking perpetually miserable. But, Mm -hmm. you know, all these dudes were just, like, PTs and um, just had this, like, emphasis on being vain. So I've been wondering, ever since that night, if maybe maybe that's the true path, is just, like, brutal exercise, you know?
0: Yeah, I think um, exercise and physical activity and constant, like, striving for improving your body, not just your mind, Mm. is, like a really crucial part of being happy for most human beings like um as you started this little tangent i was thinking to myself about the sort of almost unreal happiness that really um traditional or early tribes in like the likes of papua new guinea or africa seem to experience and Mm. where you see these in documentaries or whatever you'll see like a westerner go and visit them and These people have nothing. They're just wearing rags and they hunt their food with a spear. They're like living as literal hunter gatherers, um, (laughs) like all humans did in their original state. And they're joking around. They're all smiling. They're all fit. They're relatively healthy considering their circumstances. And I think when people live the sort of lifestyle that you were describing, where you're like at the gym improving your body, like you're probably living closer to that than. Most people are. Um, and sorry, when I say closer to that, yeah. I mean cl- closer to a hunter-gatherer lifestyle. To the
1: natural state of man.
0: Exactly. Um, I think <laughs> I think we're meant to be running around, like chasing yeah. animals or collecting fruit out. or whatever.
1: Yeah. They were all swingers as well, which I found really interesting. So
0: oh, like, that's really like, interesting. So you know, we we're
1: I was sitting down chatting to like one of these fucking massive dudes. His like bicep was like
0: sides of your head
1: muscle mass combined yeah just like everything and he just like fucking slaps me on the back like in a you know in a friendly sort of way just like you ever want to watch your missus get fucked by another guy man and i was like oh nah not really man you know he's like (laughs) i just reckon it's real good to spice things up eh? you know
0: oh god
1: fucking sick oh it's just fucking great man it's fucking great You know, I was just like, oh, good for you,
0: man. That's, That's yeah, that's hectic. Um, I'm sitting
1: here with my little fucking muscles, you know, like, like just listening to this, yeah, this (laughs) Greek god fucking tell me of uh, pleasures from another land.
0: Yeah, quite literally. Um, Mm. Well, man, yeah, I guess uh, whatever keeps people off the streets, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Certainly not something I have a shred of interest in, but... um, you know uh if that's what makes them happy and uh everyone's consenting then good on them um yeah you can
1: kind of imagine it as well like everyone getting like super ripped and it just being this big like incestuous pit of uh muscle-bound freaks
0: yeah i i it's a pretty horrific sight or vision um (laughs) i like i would prefer to be in like an eyes wide shut scenario compared to like a, a gym swing party um yeah like I, the, the cloaks and masks and like ritual at least like makes it a bit more surreal um mm. and it's sort of like maybe it would be more like some sort of weird like nightmare whereas like <laughs> a, a swinging scenario with these gym dudes that you're describing is like far too normal you know they're just like regular guys who go to the gym a lot and like in someone's living room there's no like uh nothing to like really delineate that from like day-to-day life
1: yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. Eh? Like, there's no, that just seems to be a, like, obvious extension to what they're doing already. Like, I don't know, for some reason I imagine, like, like gym life very easily rolling itself over into just, like, having a big celebration and, you know, fuck fest in someone's living room. As opposed to, like, the elites coming together to orchestrate some sort of darker plan, you know, Yeah. Yeah. of which breeding is a part of (laughs) (laughs) which is totally but you think you want to go to the fucking eyes wide shut ceremony but you don't man because in reality it's going to be filled with like hey i'm not saying i wanted to
0: go there i'm saying if i had a if i had a choice like yeah i feel like i could my mind could maybe handle the eyes wide shut thing because it's steeped in like other sorts of mysticism and like surrealism but yeah the gym guys would just be too real. It would be like going to the your local <laughs> bank branch, and everyone there is just like, "Hey, how about it?" Like, no. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Both yeah. both sound horrendous. <laughs> uh, but, but imagine uh, smell. Eyes wide shut would be yeah. If I had a gun to my head and had to pick one. Yeah. I, this is a really like uh, bizarre conversation that we're having because we're talking about gym enthusiasts as if they're some sort of like remote uh, subculture and we're um in a different country talking about people who live in like the amazon jungle or something like speculating about their motivations
1: well the thing about that i I really liked about it was it's a very unique subculture that exists within most you know most most western cities
0: yeah yeah um
1: but but it's very distinct like they have like a whole thing a regiment like you know you meet gym people um in the same way that I feel like you go to another country, and you're like, oh yeah, I hung out with this like tribe or whatever. <laughs> like they, they do kind of seem to have their own sort of like you know thing going on. Mm, um, but I, true. I just hadn't really done it before. This is like the first time that I've sort of like really spent an entire evening that I thought was gonna suck because you know every time I've rolled up to a house and it's five dudes sitting around, I'm like, oh okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's never a blast. To do
1: this. Um, yeah.
0: Hmm. Yeah, okay. I've I've never done what you're describing. I've never um, sat down with five gym enthusiasts and uh, gotten on the piss, But uh yeah. maybe I should. I wouldn't. En- I would encourage it. Eh? I think it's a it's fucking interesting. It, I, like I
1: woke up in the morning, man, and I was like, God damn, I need to go to the fucking gym. Like I just couldn't help but feel like small, and like there's this like bigger destiny out there. Hmm. Uh, of greatness you know like i mean you just can't hang out with like dudes who are that big and then sort of walk away from it thinking like you know oh sick
0: (laughs) oh yeah i don't know i think you can maybe
1: maybe remains to be seen
0: (laughs) well there is our introduction um addressing gym enthusiasts and uh their sex preferences so (laughs) (laughs) last week or maybe the week before now, we got um, sent a topic suggestion from uh, Dan on Instagram. So big shout out to Dan. Um, He wanted us to to talk about Doublethink from 1984 by George Orwell. It's obviously one of the most popular books ever written. So if you haven't read it already, then you really should Um, thoroughly recommend it. And Doublethink is one of the sort of more more powerful concepts in the book um that has been sort of proven to to apply to a lot of um sort of ideological and political situations since the book was published in 1949 um so I said to Dan sure yeah man we'll talk about that great suggestion thank you um feel free to like send in your own two cents uh so he has like sent us some videos that I've like taken the audio from so I thought you know take getting dan's input would be a good way for us to start off our conversation so um we're gonna we're gonna play that and then damon and i are gonna sort of reflect on what dan says maybe build on that maybe respond and um conversation goes so we're gonna play that now
2: yeah so basically uh, we've done george our dystopian novel 1984 through year 12, I've just completed year 12, we've just done our end of exams, that's our whole thing we'll be doing for six months. And basically, the concept of double think is, sort of, this is my definition, so I'm in my car right now, I've just beat my horn, and then I say I didn't beep my horn, my mate Nate says, he he says you didn't beep your horn, but we have a third person at the back that says I beat my horn, and now because we've got a two-on-one, had, the horn's beeped, but now because we've got a two-on-one majority... We can manipulate the what, reality and be like, mm, yes, we didn't beat the horn. Therefore, here's the outsider. We've just changed reality. And I feel like it's a really dangerous concept relative to like what's happening in the world right now, such as in the like the current U.S. election. How you've got the Republicans on one side in this vacuum chamber spewing incoherent, just rambling at each other, saying, "Yeah, we've won, we've won, with zero factual evidence." This is meant to be. I feel like it's a real shame because this the U.S. election is meant to be the sort of the standard for what is perceived as a truly democratic society and when you've got one group of like MAGA people in one one corner screaming stop the election stop the election stop the vote but in some states they're saying keep voting I I don't know you've got false facts being spewed out from the like the Donald Trump people and then you've also got the Biden people who are like "Mm, yes let's not count the election until let's not like count let's not call the election until we've counted the votes I feel like when you've got one side spewing, it's a very dangerous situation. You've got one side spewing out, guys. We've won, guys. We've won, with zero factual evidence to back them up, and then it's creating this false sort of um, news feed for everyone, which is always like relatable to the concept of the doublethink because you've got this one party screaming, guys. We've won, guys. one, feeding false information to everyone else, and I, I feel like a lot of the people are smart enough to determine, like, haha, you haven't. But there's also, especially in America, there's a lot of. I don't mean to sound harsh, but there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of undereducated sort of people that th- think with their feelings more than their heads. And a lot of the screaming like the guys have won is also I know it's really dangerous for everyone because then you've got the false information being anyway, it's a whole thing. What happened is that also Donald Trump had a fresh conference at the four four seasons uh like landscaping company, but then it was meant to be at the four-season chain of the hotel, which is like a luxury chain of hotels. But you've got his whole party, which is really representative of their whole mentality. he so got the whole party saying digging their heels in and be like, guys, guys, it's meant to be here. Guys, it's meant to be here. But yeah.
0: Yeah. What, what were your thoughts on, on what some of Dan's said in that?
1: Um. Yeah, no. He's definitely fucking right about a lot of that. Like, It's... It's really weird and confusing who is ultimately running the um, disinformation campaign, if there is anyone running it. And I'm sort of hedging on the fact that maybe this is like not run by anyone in particular. And this is just kind of like a um, strange viral form of like behavior that's starting to seep into the way that people like to operate Um, because there's, you know, with... There's been some really good analysis that I've seen that the whole election fraud um, thing is essentially like the Republicans' uh, version of like the Russia collusion hoax. Mm. Um, but I see so much crap, man, like so much shit on a daily basis that I don't know what the fuck is real. Like I've seen enough people being like, oh, you know, this this is evidence of the voter fraud, and and you know, blah blah. That I'm sort of like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe there's some something to it Hmm. maybe there's not there probably isn't but maybe there is you know
0: yeah it's interesting Um, you say that because um one of the one of the other sort of like key concepts or tools used by the party in 1984 is like newspeak which is their um their effort to remove a lot of the language that has traditionally been used in english culture to describe complex feelings or phenomenon and replace that with uh simplified party sanctioned language Um, and the reason that they try and do that is so that they narrow down the framework that humans can use to describe their own thoughts um, and then with the hope that people will eventually stop having thoughts that can't be put into words and I think disinformation like what you're describing has a similar function because rather than being fed a narrative that makes sense or feels right to us the majority of people are getting their information from media outlets that the majority of the time have an agenda. And with that agenda comes a specific set of language and terminology and jargon and almost a cultural context. And I think there's enough of a detachment between what most people feel and think and that culture and set of language that it's actually... Uh, disrupting the way people are making sense of of the situation. Um, and I, I think when you talk about, you know, you don't know what the fucking deal is because you're seeing disinformation from both sides, like that's a perfect example of what the party would be trying to trying to execute. So then like they create the concept of double think in your conscience because you simultaneously don't know what the truth is and at the same time have an opinion. Um <clears throat> And then nothing becomes substantive and you start to doubt everything. Um, which is like pretty gnarly. So well yeah, no shit, Hayden. I don't need to fucking state that. <laughs> no, no 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 no, okay. shit sure. um, yeah. But So yeah. The question still remains, like, is there like how many sources of disinformation are we dealing with here? And if there are several, which there most likely are, like, what do they all have in common? Because if you were to trace the source of the disinformation that is forming the role of Newspeak, um, you would, that would be uh, equivalent to the party, you know? So yeah. obviously when we talk about the party in 1984, we're talking about the, the ruling party that presides over their authoritarian state. But maybe in, in our current situation, um, the role of the party is being played by some alternative entity or sort of like maybe cultural group, um, i.e. the elites. Uh, I'm just speculating here, but I think you really have to wonder, right? Yeah, (laughs) well,
1: yeah, and and it's really hard because like any sensible take on it requires you to be basically as objective as you can be, you know. So like on one hand, it feels like there's, you know, more right-wing news organizations are like pushing the fact that there potentially is like a voter fraud issue happening in the States right now. Um, You know, and that there's going to be like lawsuits that are going to be launched and Trump's going to take it all the way to the Supreme court, which to be honest, I personally think is a really good thing because you yeah, know, I agree with you. Yeah. He will have to provide substantive evidence and there's not going to be any fuckery by the Supreme court in the mm-hmm. sense that, you know, it's, it's like a f- beautiful chance to finally look in and like, um, they're always talking about censorship and there's also like a very reasonable case to be made there that they are being brutally censored i mean you just go on fucking twitter man it's a nightmare Mm, like
0: exactly nightmare
1: fucking censorship um but man i i still sort of think like it's so shattering to sort of think that the main way that we get our information might be compromised you know that like Mm. reuters and um even even fucking reuters are just meant to be objective journalists even that seems kind of compromised, you know? Like when the Million Mega March kicked off, mm-hmm. um, there was like a bunch of attacks on uh, people who were involved in it, like towards the end of the day. When, you know, basically like most people had gone home and then all of a sudden these like.
0: The shit kickers are still hanging around and they start shit. Yeah, well, the yeah. F-
1: yeah, yeah. And a bunch of like, you know, BLM Antifa agitators had sort of popped up and started beating the shit out of people um and there's tons of fucking videos about that floating around on twitter yeah it wasn't really reported man i was kind of shocked at it. like i i was trying to find stuff on it because i was hearing like oh you know mainstream news is like not reporting this so i was like yeah. mm.
0: this shit's um, obviously happening so i i just want to i just want to like gently fact check you here though because um while yeah i saw the videos of uh like left wing activists or antifa people assaulting um MAGA supporters or the proud boys or whatever like i also did see footage showing the sort of other side of the coin so mm. um i just wanted to point it out just so we can be fair you know that
1: doesn't matter because uh, i mean I, i'm hearing it but yeah. my point is basically the fact that it wasn't reported Either right way, yeah okay if it, if it was a mega person agitating and creating a fight or if it wasn't what was reported was the fact that there was a way less people than Trump said go to mega Mars. Okay, <laughs> thanks you know it's just more of this like petty journalism yeah um simultaneously also somehow this was a like fascist threat so it's like this weird thing where you're having um the one hand trying to they're trying to, like, obviously discredit the fucking movement and say, Mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, oh, this isn't anywhere near as many people as you think it is, but also remind everyone that, hey, by the way, this is, like, a big fascist threat, and these people are, like, probably Nazis or some shit, you know, which is, like, definitely in line, I feel, with the whole concept of what we're seeing around, like, news doublethink Mm -hmm. is trying to both fucking play down uh, to not sort of, you know, prop it up. And, you know, I saw the, the photos of the mega march like it looks like some people showed up
0: you know? oh mate, i saw i saw video as well i saw like aerial footage and to me it yeah. looked fucking huge it looked like there might have been fifty thousand people there or something um, they're getting
1: they're getting fucking sloppy yeah and, and like you know this isn't as much to sort of be like left-wing mainstream news sucks um as it is kind of a point about the fact that a they're, they're getting really shitty at doing you know any sense of objective journalism and they were always meant to be the ones that were you know safer to go to as a source of information
0: yeah yeah exactly
1: growing up right yeah if it's like it wasn't in the news and it probably didn't happen whereas now like there's definitely enough evidence out there to suggest that they're like not reporting as much um and reporting things like with a very obvious sort of agenda behind it
0: yeah it um it is really concerning um and it's quite interesting like that using that example um, for mainstream media outlets to be calling the Million Mega March a fascist threat um, but not applying the same label to some of the marches that were seen in support of progressive causes on the other side is really obviously a, a blatant example of, of doublethink there um, which speaks to a sort of another layer of doublethink from 1984. So, um I just explained it to damon before we started the pod as well i haven't read the book in eight years or, or so so i r- read up about all of these themes and concepts and stuff so that's why it might seem like i'm sort of speaking like a bit of a know-it-all but I, i'm saying it all because i think it's interesting so it's implied in the book as well that um not only is doublethink a tool used to sort of like oppress the population and sow doubt and um subvert dissent but it's also used within the party itself as a way to allow individual members or small groups of the party to justify their actions because with doublethink, you can ease your own conscience mm. so uh, similar to the same way that the cia and intelligence agencies and stuff use um kind of An operational model of the need-to-know basis. I'm doing air quotes for need-to-know basis (laughs) because it means that, like, you can be uh, an agent stationed in, uh, let's just say, Paris. You know, and your mission is to, just as a random example, you need to go to an address. You need to collect some some weapons from a guy in there, and then you need to drop it off uh, under a tree fifty miles in the country outside of. Paris and you're obviously being given a very like narrow scope of um, the broader mission Mm -hmm. all you know is that you need to carry out those specific acts and you're kept with like blinders on like a horse does (laughs) so that you you're unable to feel any conscience or a connection to the consequences of what you're doing Cause like most likely those weapons that you picked up are going to be used to later kill people who might be innocent you might be a part of an assassination or whatever so like double think can serve as a as a way to kind of fulfill the same role for for journalists and other members of the left or right um where by sort of constraining uh the understanding of the broader context you can be like well these guys are fascists. Therefore, when I write in support of this other um, movement or march, like it's justified, right? Um, Yeah, well, and that's kind of like a lot of what it is. It's
1: just like, well, you know, freedom of speech and uh, everybody should get to have a say, but the fascists are so bad. Like
0: we couldn't possibly
1: allow them. They're Nazis, you Mm -hmm. know? And it's just like, man, (laughs) there hasn't been like a fascist threat for fucking eight like the response to this perceived fascist threat is the fascist threat you know um, yeah
0: yeah that's the the great irony of it all um the yeah, the real author authoritarianism at play is the demand for uniformity from from the far left yeah. which we could we could go into um but a whole a whole other spiel so glenn greenwald mm-hmm. uh and
1: a couple of the higher profile bloggers um, have left their like news organizations to go join Substack. I might just I add
0: as well that um, Glenn Greenwald, for anyone who doesn't know, is a really famous journalist who is the guy who um, broke the Edward Snowden story uh, when Edward Snowden was leaking. Uh, all of the NSA documents that revealed the mass domestic surveillance in the United States so sorry to interrupt you but I just wanted to no 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 con- that's cool give the context yeah.
1: so he had this very like public um departure from the intercept who's cracked down on uh reporting of like the Hunter Biden story mm-hmm. and you know that has largely turned out to be kind of like a I don't know if it's like a nonsense thing like there's probably like evidence of corruption within that but not to the degree that was sort of shelled by the right yeah um as one would kind of expect like a lot of the whole like bigger's happening tomorrow 8 a.m everybody's gonna be arrested has like not come to pass yeah yeah um you know and <laughs> i i don't think that there's a conspiracy theory there and the fact that like you know i don't i'm sure there's corruption happening i'm just they're not like
0: that's not it yeah
1: that's not it yeah <laughs> um and if it is, then I will, uh, I will make a public, you know, apology. So it like <laughs> I have it right now. all right, That's good. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so they all left be- um, largely because of the fact that they just have not been able to, uh, like, say anything or criticize like the left wing at all, and have all moved on to this, you know, largely. I think. Uh, Well, for now, this platform that's kind of like, you know, we're not going to censor anyone at all. We're just going to like sort of leave it be. Mm. Um, What did you say it was called? Substack.
0: Substack. Okay, cool.
1: Yeah. It's just kind of like a paid newsletter thing.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, Is it a similar format to Medium?
1: Yeah. but Not really. (laughs) Well, maybe, but like, I don't know. Uh... Sort of, I guess, yeah. But I think Medium's a little bit probably gnarlier on that front um, in terms of censorship and everything. Yeah, yeah, sure. Substack would be... But, you know, you never know. Like, they could only be, like, one homophobic writer away from starting to crack down, and then this whole fucking cycle repeats itself again. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was sort of... There's definitely, like, a slow shift away i feel and people are trying to find refuge where they can actually publish their work without you know getting censored or deplatformed or um shunned by all of their um journalist buddies
0: yeah it's going to be really interesting to see um how much longer these media companies can keep up the act in terms of pumping out this like hardcore partisan media before people Mm. start Um, you know, leaving in droves to independent or uncensored media sources and obviously um, provide less of an income to these companies who have been profiting on outrage for so long. Um, Mm. Because I've seen this like idea floated that, and I mean, I think Donald Trump has even said it himself. He's like, oh, you know, like if I am not reelected, these news companies will go broke or something to that effect. Um, Not quite his exact words, but and, you know, I wonder what What's going to happen there? I wonder what, who the new boogeyman is going to be. Oh, will, will, the news. will the witch hunt just shift? You know, Because it seems as though the likes of the New York Times and uh, the Washington Post and the Guardian, they have put themselves into this position now where their model depends on an enemy. Yeah. Um, so much of their content and so much of their readership is generated by the fact that they're all shooting at a target. Um, mm. And like it makes me wonder like if if trump um if these or essentially when he does lose these legal challenges um and assuming he doesn't run for 2024 which he has been hinted he might oh even if he
1: does though man
0: yeah he'll recede into the background and it's concerning that it seems like they're going to have to to look elsewhere for their enemy yeah like where where does the left go next
1: I think New York Times like prior to 2016 um and it's kind of weird to think back to that time but like leading up to that uh a lot of those publications were like going broke yeah I know know. like they sucked as well like you know and they're shit and I mean I can't see it like what are they gonna do now who are they gonna fucking rally against how many articles are like you know uh woke white guys and woke fucking you know uh white woman who is I'm Assuming like ninety percent of the fucking readership of those things is people clapping themselves on the back, they're not gonna read endless articles about the threat of QAnon, you know, Mm. or like, oh, careful, far right, Ben Shapiro is is coming for your kids. Like,
0: I wonder if they can they can uh, juice maybe a year or two uh, worth of content out of a kind of uh, progressive victory lap. So like, yeah. I read an article oh, yesterday on the, New, on the New York Times, yeah, which was more sort of like funny than anything. I kind of was just like, what the fuck? This is ridiculous. Yeah. But they were covering um, the, the NASA and SpaceX flight. Um, hmm. So for the listeners who aren't aware of that situation, um, Elon Musk's uh, rocket company, SpaceX, has become the first um, private company to uh, independently basically on a contract with nasa send astronauts to um stay long term at the international space space station
1: Fucking shout out to him man i yeah, really so, want to throw my money at him eh? just to be like go make shit motherfucker hmm. and- so
0: it's the first commercial space flight commercial in the sense that it was com- like nasa completely yeah. paid for it and it was just a hands-off thing um, yeah. so i was reading this article about the flight and the details and finding it really interesting and then so I'll point out as well that at the top of the article was a photo of the four astronauts, as you might imagine, and they're just standing there together, smiling, about to go on their mission, and it was a wicked photo. And I saw four accomplished, proud individuals about to do something really cool. That's all. That's what I registered when I looked at that photo, right? And I got halfway down through the New York Times article, and then it says, um, astronaut B, who I can't remember the man's name, but." To say, astronaut B will be the first black astronaut to spend an extended amount of time on the International Space Station. Previously, another black astronaut had been to the International Space Station, but only for a brief period while they were like making um, additions or conducting maintenance to it. When asked about being the first black astronaut to go to the International Space Station, astronaut B modestly nodded, acknowledging the fact. And then they quote him, right? So they're trying Probably to. Felt fucking they're, they're trying to, yeah, they're trying to find a race angle in a story about fucking space exploration, and yeah. and then they add a quote that they get from this guy, and his quote basically just says like, "I'm not thinking about the color of my skin. We have a mission to do. I'm about to conduct a space flight. That's kind of what I'm thinking about, like, ask me later, sort of thing." Mm. And it, like, it doesn't even matter to him, you know? And yeah. And it made me think back to uh, a quote from Bill Maher in that video that I sent you. Um, mm-hmm. He says, Now the Democrats see color everywhere, a trait that was previously reserved for the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> That's
1: fucking true, man. And it's it,
0: like, just... it's fucking true, right? Like
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> how condescending is that? I know. Like, like, oh, it makes me so fucking mad. You just it... think about someone like,
0: You're a black person. Exactly. About it to completely. Go to it did you think about from, the fact that you're black <laughs> yeah it detracts Person from what might be the proudest moment of this man's life yeah um, but it's like, black man yeah it's like hey by the way yeah. you're black yeah it's, this would have been
1: easier if you were white but you're black
0: yeah so that's it's why really it's weird, special man. it's yeah.
1: special that you're going to space
0: and yeah. so so that's the sort of example of this kind of victory lap content that i'm wondering might become popular where the, the left it? sort of like Clap, tap, uh, Pat themselves on the back and wank their own dicks for a year and a half while they're just like, look at everything we achieved Yeah Well, look, man, like, I don't
1: think people are gonna be able to read that for so long because I mean there's like, I'm sure a large number of uh, Wankers sitting there, you know, stroking their little woke boner being like, oh, yeah, that's so good that he's black and he's to space But like the majority of us don't fucking want to read that shit because it's offensive you know? Yeah, exactly. You're, yeah, like, back, um, you know, Bill Maher's got... He, every now and then, he just fucking nails it. But, like, he really had a good point, the fact that, you know, we didn't see color and there's we're coming to this point where, you know, oh, there's no race but the human race and, and all that sort of shit. And then all of a sudden, someone found out that you can use this to silence the opposition, you know? Mm. And now it's everywhere, you know, and you can use it to, like, further an agenda and you can use it to um call people nazis and and to make you know fantastic uh stories like the fact that you know commercial space exploration potentially is on the horizon about something fucking stupid i mean they're probably going to wait to launch one where it's like oh the first trans person is now. 100 oh,
0: percent. you can guarantee it yeah.
1: they're just counting down they can't wait and i'm sure someone's going to fucking bring out an article about how you know sexist and uh trans discriminatory space travelers yeah the
0: um the power imbalance between male and female astronauts on the international space station
1: how would this relate to mars you know like just (laughs) suck my dick man fucking hell i'm so sick of it Mm. so um staying in line with this whole theme Mm -hmm. uh is uh coming out and the headline being obama loved the internet now he has second thoughts. Um, so I'm sure as, back in, well. Maybe as
0: in like, the internet got him elected essentially because he was the first president to use like social media as the core part of his campaign. Pretty much. But and now, now he's like, oh, hang on. <laughs> now it's not working for me. Yeah, so
1: he's just, yeah, yeah, well, you know. Um, really starting to get wing of that, uh, those big pedophile rings and everything. So basically there's an article that was uh, written in Vox so Obama's now, basically, he just did this big um, interview, and I think it was in the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, a lot of what he talks about is, like, the biggest threat to democracy is um, the Internet, essentially. Yeah. And something that had once been a force for good, you know, and, and really helping connect people and share information about Obama uh <laughs> has turned on him so he's starting to call um apparently you know he had been like you know oh i had been in touch with mark zuckerberg about this and um you know told him about the the horrible dangerous threat of misinformation um
0: thanks obama <laughs> yeah <laughs> mark right. zuckerberg knew nothing about that <laughs> yeah
1: yeah uh but he feels like i think his um you know worries have gone somewhat unsubstantiated so now he's not very explicitly calling for censorship but it's i would say strongly like like there's a strong censorship line between the lines there um, where he's talking about like you know oh now you have a situation in which large swaths of the country genuinely believe that the democratic party is a front for a pedophile ring i was talking to a volunteer who was going door-to-door in philadelphia in um, low-income African-American communities and getting questions about the QAnon conspiracy theories. It's the single biggest threat to our democracy. Uh, hmm. So this is sort of like ignoring the fact that, like, at the start of Obama's presidency, um, he had cozied up to Silicon Valley, like, very much so, you know. like, mm-hmm. got, There was a large number of um, execs that sort of, you know, formed... On the obama administration and definitely would have helped like enact policy and everything so you can see how this is all sort of played into you know know what's funny is like i never really saw that the democrat party is the the party of big tech but for whatever reason i guess that you know the idealism of silicon valley sort of seeped its way into the democratic party um
0: yeah i i think maybe from my perspective there's maybe less of a relationship between the Democrat Party and Big Tech as there is a common interest. Um, And I think it's just been sort of coincidental the way that this has played into the hands of Big Tech. And what I mean by that is that, like, um, dividing people by creating these narratives of left versus right um, and peddling stories of fascism um, distracts the population from... Their sort of like their real interests, which I would say are, are class interests and interests regarding like wealth and inequality. Um, and I think that the Democrats obviously started to capitalize on the unrest earlier this year because it pre- presented a great opportunity. And and separately, I think big tech realized that they can sort of compound the the effect of what the Democrats are doing by taking a position as well. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. So I think those yeah. two have found themselves into sort of sort of an unholy alliance. Or
1: yeah. Well, it's it's interesting that you know sort of the the stance that he was taking primarily was that um, you know well back in the day when tech was all about just having a platform and not being an editor, but now they're um, acting as an editor as well. But then trying to swing that around on the fact that QAnon is getting promoted, which is you know this sort of everybody jumps on as an example of dangerous information that floats around the internet, radicalizing people. Mm. And, and like, come on, like, you know, I don't fucking believe that one bit. Like, yeah, there's some people out there with the QAnon thing, but like, you know, we've talked about in a previous episode that if you think that the Democratic Party is involved in that, um, like, I, I don't think many people truly fucking think that as much as they believe that there's some weird shady shit going on between uh, the fact that Jeffrey Epstein was like really close with a number of high-profile characters. You know? Yeah.
0: You, you've you touched on something that I was actually just thinking before you started saying it. Um, mm. But I actually think that if you interpret QAnon in a non-literal way, um, it can actually be a really powerful tool. And I think you can make the argument that it can be beneficial for, for the public because... Mm. Um, while Obama was complaining about platforms being editorialized, QAnon, to me, seemed like at least an organic narrative, right? So it's like mm. it's come from the sort of depths of the internet anonymously and has kind of been fostered by like the collective conscience of a lot of disaffected people. So in a sense, it's quite a democratic way of viewing the world right now. Um, and it would be interesting to see what percentage of people who would describe themselves as being followers of QAnon actually believe it in a literal sense the same way that Christians might interpret the Bible in a literal sense, or if QAnon is more a narrative that carries a set of principles and ideas that you can tap into in order to best sort of inform the way you navigate the world. So if you were to to take that approach with QAnon, from my understanding, it says question power, right? Mm -hmm. And that's That's a really healthy fucking thing to be telling people. So like, even though some people are getting weird parts of it and doing wacky shit, I think like at its core, it in a way sort of has like a noble motivation. This is a QAnon
1: podcast now. (laughs) By the
0: way, for, <laughs>
1: well the fuck, yeah we've been infiltrated
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um
1: um no, i i've always respected the fact that i think you know and this is again something that i've like said multiple times that just the the whole bullshit about like oh you know those it's all those stupid i've heard this from fucking multiple people i was just at my like old man's 65th birthday And, you know, just sort of sitting there listening, listening to these old motherfuckers be like, oh, I guess there's 70 million idiots in the United States. You know, how fucking dumb could they be? Like, I don't think they're dumb, man. I think-
0: Not at all, dude.
1: Like, they're smart and they're a hell of a lot smarter. And it's not like, you know, oh, someone's gonna see this like news article about, you know, or some Facebook post about QAnon and be like, what do you think they're gonna do? Mm. They know that the elites are rotten. They know that, like, exactly. there's weird shit that's going on that hasn't been explained. They know that the royals have been spending time with, like, known pedophiles. And you know that, what? You know, the Clinton administration was involved with them. Like, they all know that. And so just dismissing it is like, oh, you know, like, the, the fucking arrogance of um, Obama to suggest that it's just, like, you know, like, but we all know what he's saying when he's saying, like, you know, oh. Well, we're going around low-income uh, African-American communities in Philadelphia. Like, you know, you can't fucking spell it out, buddy.
0: Yeah, exactly yeah. Exactly what you're trying
1: to fucking tell us there. <laughs> but I think they, they know exactly what's going on there. Mm. You know, they're reasonably questioning um, people that have got a very bad track record.
0: I think, um, and this also sort of harkens back to something that uh, Dan said in the clip that he sent in, that... Mm. I think it's, it's easy to describe middle America or the nearly 50% of the country that would support the Re- Republicans or Trump as undereducated. And maybe in some instances they are. Like we know about the economic divides between the middle America and the, the coastal states. Mm. Um, but I think more importantly, regardless of their state of undereducation or not, they have a feeling in their guts. And humans have kept themselves alive for millions of years on instinct. And mm. we have, we get that knot in our stomach or the tightness in our chest or the, the suspicion or the seed of doubt in our mind for a reason the majority of the time. And often we can't articulate it and academics will tell us that it's not substantiated. But people fucking know. Like you said, like, you know... Mm. They don't have the whole picture and they never will. But for a lot of people, all they need is a feeling. All they need is that reasonable doubt. And mm. like, that's enough. And I don't think people should necessarily be looked down upon for having that. I mean, uh, since okay. when was it wrong to go with your gut?
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. no. People... And, it's, and it's good to like question all of those sort of things. Because exactly. like, so, so many things have been revealed that we're just truly out of this world like mm-hmm. the mk ultra is something that i'll always look at is like i cannot believe that that existed to this day i'm just like what mm. it's just the most mind-blowing thing the cia's mind control program you know like force feeding people lsd uh and like fucking with their minds which is like a separate thing and i would like to do like a proper dive on MK yeah ultra
0: sure that would be great it's, just,
1: it's so fucking crazy you know and it's just like and then now we're just, let's all pretend that none of that ever happened. It's all good now. You know, mm-hmm. Like yeah. you know, Every institution actually acts uh, morally and sensibly since the Obama administration um, <laughs> right up to 2016. You know, it's just such a load of nonsense. Mm. So,
0: yeah. um, The yeah. Speaking of the CIA, I read, okay, I'll say, as much as I criticize the New York Times, I think they do a lot of really good foreign correspondence. I think like the their international news is often it seems to me pretty objective, but maybe I've just been duped like everybody else. <laughs> but yeah. so I, I, the main reason I go to The New York Times is to read their foreign correspondence, and there was a really interesting story that came out that to me didn't seem to make as much noise as it should have, and that speaks to what you know we're saying about some of these sort of like shadowy uh, facets of of government and institutions. and that in. I think it was 2015. Um, Al Qaeda's number two was living in Iran and was like assassinated in this completely unacknowledged operation that was like a collaboration between like Israeli and American um, agents or intelligence communities or whatever. Yeah. Um, and the whole the whole story is complicated, so I'm not going to get into it. But essentially, what ended up happening is that um iran decided that it would be in their best interests to provide um asylum to some high-ranking leaders of al-qaeda so their number two um i can't remember his name now but we'll um i'll share the story in the show notes so we can get all the facts straight um Mm -hmm. was living in iran under the guise that he was um a professor and he was sitting in his car at some red lights with his daughter in 2015 or 2016 when like three motorcyclists pulled up to his car and just like opened fire on him and boom gone and i find it insane how many people must get assassinated like on a weekly basis or whatever by you know the cia and their collaborators um it's a hit
1: job eh? it's a fucking driving shooting
0: it's unbelievable how horrendous is that
1: and they kill his daughter as well or just him?
0: i can't recall i don't want to say yes or no we'll leave it to the the actual article Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's that old maxim that one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. And, like, uh, I don't think that, like, terrorism is cool. Al-Qaeda shouldn't, like, do what they do and murder hundreds or thousands of people. (laughs) But Yeah, like, I fucking love terrorism, bro. It challenges power. (laughs) Um, But, like, the fact that, these mechanisms are in place for the United States to essentially just murder willingly, just like at their own discretion, can essentially just kill who they want at any time. Yeah. Um, and that they have these agencies across the world that collaborate with them. Um, probably few would collaborate to the extent that uh, the Mossad and Israel do because of the strong ties between the US and Israel. But it's just another example like you talk about, man, of these these shadowy goings on that are just not really okay, you know?
1: Oh, they're so they there's like nothing that mucking like makes me hate the states as much as like their foreign policy, you know? And and mm-hmm. like the shit that they've done over in the Middle East is horrendous, man. Like just so unforgivable. Um and to not hold that with the same dis- disgust as uh, you know, the supposed worst nations um that have existed over time is mind-boggling to me because they they're accountable for like fucking so much death and destruction eh yeah you know? exactly I like mean, even the killing of Soleimani that was fucked that was like
0: that was unbelievable just leave dude.
1: Iran alone yeah, yeah that was horrendous
0: you know yeah also something that I was reading about again after this um article that I just mentioned was like the killing of Jamal Kashkogi um that Saudi dissident journalist who is just Murdered in the Saudi embassy in Istanbul, chopped up in a, and fucking removed in a suitcase. Um, mm. And the fact that like the United States couldn't call that out, or I mean, the international community more broadly essentially did nothing. But to fact, the fact that there are these um, hidden arrangements and ties between the United States and their Middle Eastern allies that could prevent them from doing something more about the blatant murder of a journalist that the entire world knew about. Mm. An open secret. Um, yeah. And it just, it speaks to their rotten motivations, man.
1: Well, you just got to think, man, like, what's going on that has... Not leaked. The, that's, so, yeah, that's not leaked. Yeah. Like, like, is it oil? Are we that in need of it that you can't call out the brutal murder of, you know, a journalist? Or, or is it something else? I, I don't fucking understand. You know? Well,
0: I have this sort of, idea that because western governments largely have failed so miserably at providing the sort of right economic circumstances for their populations to be happy, Mm. they now depend on robust markets to sort of like trick people into the promise of a good job and a dream to Mm. keep people um, sort of vaguely believing that their life is going to get better and that they don't have to direct their frustrations to the people in power and that the United States sort of like faux dependence on oil interests or sort of like strategic alliances and a presence in Mm. the middle east and all that shit i think is largely um for the purpose of ensuring favorable conditions for massive corporations right
1: you'd you'd think so i really need to take a piss wait oh sorry
0: well i was gonna say because they know that when the market's not strong people get agitated when you have a recession people get pissed off and The easiest way to sort of subdue your own population, I think, and avert what could ultimately be like open rebellion is to have the market just slowly churning over and doing what it does, selling people products, keeping people busy, keeping people worked and tired and distracted. And, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll let you piss. All right. (laughs) I've got a point to that. Yeah. Great. So I thought that it would be worth us trying to use this toilet break for something positive and constructive. So if this is your first time listening to the podcast, or you've been listening to the pod for a while and you think we offer something of value, then you can support us by clicking the link in the episode description. It'll say, "Support us here." And there's a hyperlink in there, which will take you to. Um, the modern guilt, PayPal, where you can drop us some coin that we'll then put back into making more content, um, promoting the podcast, etc. If you're not in a position to do that, or simply you just don't think we deserve it, that's fine. Uh, the second best thing you could do would be to follow us on social media, uh, give us a review on your podcast platform of choice, or share us with your friends. So if you want to support, you can click the link in the episode description. If not, please um, consider sharing us on your social media, whatever. If you don't want to do either of those things, no problem. You can keep listening and just enjoy the show. Thank you.
1: So, yeah, that's a really interesting point about Saudi Arabia. I I think, so I was chatting with this guy on Saturday Mm -hmm. um, who had a, take on it that that i thought was kind of fascinating and he was essentially saying that like you know he's describing to me like how nations sort of um get ahead and everything Mm -hmm. um and one of the things that he was talking about is like you know you have to basically like a a country has to come upon an advantage of some kind that will then propel itself ahead it was very like ray dalio-esque but it was from this like dude that installed our solar panels or some shit (laughs) yeah sure fucking like massively like real woke about that's so sick yeah man he was fucking awesome eh? and so he was essentially talking about you know different countries that have come across new advantages to propel themselves ahead of other countries um and the states was fundamentally built on war and that they've just had to perpetuate uh their own military which has been the reason to get ahead after the second world war and have been living across that as a dream and have kind of just been downhill since then, you know, since like the fucking fifties and sixties, it's just been sort of like a steady, like that was the plateau and now a steady decline, um, as they become less and less relevant and keep trying to do whatever they can to cling on to that, mm. um, advantages that they had in the beginning. So I'm sure there's like a lot of, you know, murkiness around all of that, all yeah. of those sort of like existing businesses that have established themselves of which I'm sure, you know, military is an obvious one. Um, but oil and everything else.
0: I just had the thought that maybe and it, it actually seems kind of obvious now that I think about it, but maybe a part of the reason the United States has such a sort of broad, all encompassing foreign policy is because um it exports so many weapons. Like yeah. you know, tens of tens of billions, maybe hundreds, of fighters, tanks, missiles, small arms, like everything to its all of its allies, you know? Um, mm. like it's pretty common knowledge, like that the Saudi army is basically equipped, maybe ex- nearly exclusively with American weapons, um, that they then, you know, use to uh, use for the mass slaughter of civilians just across the border in Yemen. So, um, yeah. and then I suppose that destabilization that comes as a result of the, those weapon sales sort of s- sows the seeds for more future conflicts. Um, mm. And it's, I mean. I suppose that's like the military industrial complex put really simply um yeah and these these weapons lobbyists must somehow have their uh their puppet strings on government i don't know
1: well i kind of thought that there was going to be a war with iran kickoff but it looks like that's not going to happen. Um... Thank God, when Trump killed Suleiman. yeah, thank fucking lord. I mean, that's just cruel. Like, Iran's so crippled by sanctions that it's just, you know, there's not a war, it's a slaughter. Um, I'm wondering, now that we're sort of having our return to normalcy, uh, you know, and the media might calm down, if we're going to see, like, another war. Because um, there's another post Glenn Greenwald did recently about the biggest threat coming is censorship, uh militarization and something else that i forgot about but like you know return back to the military state would be horrendous
0: you know? mm. um just when we took our break just a moment ago i actually just saw the headline that um trump is preparing to withdraw troops from afghanistan iraq and somalia so if biden takes over the presidency with a whole bunch of troops sitting around not doing much then there's a good chance he'll want to send them somewhere man that's a
1: big dick move, man.
0: That's a For real sure. big dick move. Yeah, yeah that's fucking that's great. powerful.
1: Well, because you know what's fascinating here is that, you know, putting on my little QAnon hat, uh, if he withdraws the troops, if this is purely his sort of last ditch effort to be like, I'm going out and I'm going to really fuck off the, um, you know, whoever else is around, basically, that's been telling me to go into these countries, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that he would do because he's so vindictive, Trump that is, yeah. And he brings the troop home, and then they have to fucking send them back to, you know, keep the money coming in. It will just totally destroy the, the system. Like, I've already had my mind blown, like, five ways from fucking Sunday. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, just on the fact that, like, you know, how bullshit mainstream media has been. I don't know if it's become bullshit, but it certainly is bullshit. Like, the, the cracks are showing. Just because of the way that he's been able to, like, you know, one, use his own methods of kind of providing discredited information. I'm not going to fucking lie and say that, you know, um, that Trump isn't completely dishonest. But that's been really fascinating. And it's also shown how bullshit most of the fucking media is, you know. So, I mean, that that truly would expose the government as uh, deeply, deeply corrupt.
0: um, I think another potential upside of this as, like, a sort of chess move might be that Um, If Trump does this on his way out, it's newsworthy um, just due to the fact that it's the last thing he does as he leaves office, right? Mm. And then he puts the Democrats in a position where they're sort of in a bind because if they have those troops sitting at home and need something to do, some way to generate income, to maintain these weapons sales and whatnot, they have to be seen to send these troops out somewhere and the Democrats lose either way. Mm. So then a whole bunch of people who might be swing voters are like, oh, for fuck's sake, Biden-Hunt comes in, starts another war, mm. setting the Republicans up really nicely for 2024. Um, yeah. But,
1: like, we have, like, it's new school now. You know, like, who the, they're not going to get another Trump. Like, no way. And I'm pretty sure the GOP fucking doesn't even like him. So...
0: I think they'll be pretty relieved to have him gone. But um, yeah, um I do wonder, though, if they have another candidate who can whip up the same sort of, like... Uh, feverish support
1: yeah i wonder if tulsi gabbard's gonna fucking do that because she was so dope she was a sort of like really came across as like the one you know next to maybe bernie sanders that was like actually sensible um
0: yeah um, she's like
1: the new ron paul that feels like
0: do you think that tulsi would run as a democrat i mean sorry as a republican
1: probably not there's no fucking way she's getting in as a dem yeah It'd <laughs> they been- hated her man
0: yeah um, yeah it's it's a shame how many um good democratic candidates were sidelined. It's a fucking absolute sham, dude. Um, yeah, we can. Like, even see Andrew that. Yang was was great. I loved Andrew Yang. Yang
1: gang, yeah, yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it'll be interesting to see if there's like going to be a further collapse of the fucking um, states anyway, and then we can start talking about uh the the Xi Jinping administration. <laughs>
0: Well, um, this trade war between... Guess who's
1: going to win the new Chinese election?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. saying This trade war between China and Australia is just slowly continuing to simmer away Um, despite the fact that they just signed a new trade agreement. um, China has uh, imposed tariffs on like the $260 million a year Australian timber export industry to China um, to... Just add to the growing list of other products that they're putting tariffs on. Um, mm. It's really interesting, dude. Like the current government has handled their relationship with China so terribly. Um, it, it's and it, and it's very um, sort of little spoken about, but that's no surprise. Yeah.
1: So I I just yeah, it's it's gonna be really interesting to see how that plays out. To be honest, because like you know their their way of life is just so different from the west and and like but f- for all their faults man you have to handle the fact that the chinese are like not being imperialistic about their uh their way of life on other countries right yeah now. yeah it might be in the future who knows and th- they have done a couple weird things like you know don't insult the ccp to winston peters of all fucking people yeah um, yeah you are know, like elderly uh kind of like a relevant candidate in new zealand um so yeah man i i'm fascinated to see where that fucking goes
0: Mm. uh see my sort of weird like fetish that i've like dreamed up is that because i i'm a loser and i just think about geopolitics in my day-to-day life because like you know i studied political science and peace and conflict studies and like just find this shit interesting and like um i would really like to see some sort of um block formed in the sort of Asia-Pacific region between um, some of the Southeast Asian countries who are at the moment a little bit threatened by China and then the likes of Australia and New Zealand um, to not even necessarily push back against China, but just to send the message that, hey, you know, like we've got our own thing working here and Mm -hmm. this is no longer a a pushover for you. Like there's, uh, you can't have your way in the Asia-Pacific region because, A lot of the uh, Southeast Asian countries have like amazing, uh, well-performing economies and I think it would be incredible if we could come up with some sort of system similar to the EU in Southeast Asia where we have free movement and free trade and we all support one another. I don't understand why that can't happen.
1: (laughs) It's funny that you mentioned that because I was actually doing an internship with the association of southeast asian nations which was largely based around the fact that that was meant to happen right uh they did want to unify but um it would be hard dude it would be real hard like free travel between indonesia and singapore yeah alone would be a fucking nightmare you know why is that well because there's 230 million indonesians yeah and uh, I don't know how many Singaporeans there is, but their jobs are a hell of a lot more high paying than than Singapore. Yeah. As well as like the fact that you know their Medicare systems, I imagine, would just get um, overrun. And it's like a really not well discussed topic because it gets real, you know, uh, politicized really easily. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is, is like you know their healthcare systems can only handle so much. Um, yeah no a i, massive I influx that. of people yeah i mean it's a it's a fascinating idea and it was it like totally was being thought about mm. the whole reason that i was over in indo was to do an internship to like kind of promote um the unification of the southeast asian nations across yeah. universities which obviously i didn't do my job very well yeah but, <laughs> you know um, it was fucking fascinating man and I, I think there definitely could be something like that that could work um you know
0: yeah, I, I think, think it's it's all down to the details. Um, pretty much. I mean, obviously in the EU you can um, travel freely and work freely in any EU country. And like you said, that wouldn't work in, in Asia. Um, I mean, even just due to the, the language barriers, you know, like um, 95% of Indonesians could probably not just easily come to Australia and be employed. Um, but I think, yeah, like if there was some sort of Um, really cooperative visa exchange program and um, you know we wouldn't have to do the universal currency and all that but just um, develop a system where we start to build closer ties that bring us together
1: and and that's one of the interesting things as well is like I I wouldn't outright be like nah Um, because maybe it would work you know like maybe you wouldn't like you never know Um, and it certainly would be fun to to you know, be able to like experiment with this sort of stuff. Yeah. Which, to me, it comes back to my like one and only real hardcore political position, being just like a decreasing of the federal level, and more power being given to like locals. You know to yeah yeah to, decentralization like, areas. Of power yeah
0: yeah, yeah um... pretty
1: much because you you'll never know otherwise. Like the fact is, is like maybe between uh you know like a smaller Indonesian cities um and Malaysia and Singapore. Um, there, there could be room for people to you know have free travel and, and everything and then maybe within other areas not so much maybe they yeah. don't want that but well
0: i mean nothing worth doing is easy right um, like yeah. every every ambitious plan had multiple hurdles to overcome um, but those are the ones worth doing i think um, mm. and i think the the main problem is that political leaders in in all countries with the exception of a few just don't want that to uh, their country to experience any hardship on their watch, because you know they they care about their re-election, and I guess if you want to take the optimistic view of them, they care about their ability to keep implementing policies that they think will benefit their country. Um, mm. And I think if you have the sideshow or the drain of resources that this sort of project that we're talking about would end up being, then people would see it as a potential threat to their re-election or whatever. But um, yeah. <laughs> Not saying the EU um, and Southeast Asia are the same at all they obviously have vast vast differences but I imagine the EU was no cakewalk to, to get set up either hey
1: <laughs> well it took a yeah it took a world war I guess but you know um, yeah <laughs> and it remains to be seen as well like even if it's gonna I've heard i've heard different reports that apparently it's like not going so well you know the eu or yeah yeah and that you remember like back around the financial crisis when it almost all just exploded and everyone was worried that the eu was just going to fucking disappear um because of germany largely you know taking the uh the The economic hit for the others yeah
0: yeah it is an interesting question you remember that? that the
1: whole eu was about to fucking explode for a bit there there's the greek debt crisis mm, and yeah. like you know I don't, massive recession in spain
0: yeah i remember i don't think legally the eu can just disintegrate though i think um even though that was the sort of common narrative i don't really think it's possible at this point for it to fall apart mm. something fucking nuts would have to happen because um, yeah. like the great thing about the eu is that um you know it's a parliament so mm. The representatives of each country, they have no choice but to make it work. Um, mm-hmm. And like their re-election depends on the success of the EU as a whole. Um, so it's sort of like the opposite dynamic that you have to the leaders of countries in uh, Asia who don't wanna bring their countries together, uh, maybe. But the EU is really interesting. Um, and it's like the, the only uh, yeah. example of that sort of institution, in history, I think, right?
1: Um, well, arguably the states, you know, hmm. in a sense, yeah. That's a lot of people very think very about very it as one country, point. but it is kind of like a the amalgamation of like
0: the United States, several, yeah,
1: yeah. You know, um, and there's been talk about you know oh, California might leave the United States.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be interesting to see. I'd be interested to see um how that would happen. I'm sure there's no way that it could legally occur, right?
1: Probably. Well, I'm sure it could, yeah. Um, I'm sure they could secede. I'm sure if it was like, hey man, fucking Brexit, right? You know, so Mm. this isn't beyond the realm of possibility. Is it going to happen in the next four years? Probably not. Uh, If Trump magically turns over the fucking election and it turns out his lawsuits were real and they throw out, you know, the hundreds of thousands of votes are about to be thrown out like we you know like like is keep uh being said maybe that would be really destabilizing
0: oh it would be insane um yeah there's definitely and particularly be because there's a lot of sort of financial incentives for California to break away right uh like although they i would imagine depend a lot of depend a lot on um labor and resources on the rest of the united states like their economic output is so fucking high you know mm. um, oh yeah
1: they're crazy big
0: they could find themselves in a sort of like singapore-esque situation you know this um just like very wealthy small independent state um mm. that basically it's exports so are like technology education and financial services yeah and
1: well and if they leave then like oregon's going with them so you know
0: Hmm. i wonder if they'd want them <laughs> i wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck that noise. Yeah. yeah. Um I wonder how Jason's going in Seattle.
1: Um probably pretty happy, I'd imagine.
0: Yeah, I hope so.
1: Yeah. Mm. I think he's doing okay.
0: Yeah. Well, um was there anything else you wanted to touch on, Matt
1: No, that's pretty much it, really. Yeah.
0: I think it's um a nice point for us to wrap up now. Mm-hmm. Um this has been fun. Thanks again to Dan for um, giving us our launching pad for this discussion. Um, Obviously we strayed a very far way from uh, the idea of double think, but there's not much that it isn't relative to, uh, relevant to rather. So it's a really good um, suggestion for the topic. Um,
1: Yeah, I think that encapsulates a lot of like, what was, uh, you know, core to the whole idea of Doublethink, hmm. yeah.
0: Um, any announcements, Damon, that you wanna make?
1: Mm, no, not that I can think of.
0: All right, well, we'll wrap it up then. Um, right. Find us on Instagram, at ModernGuiltPod. Um, send us in some, some messages, suggestions, criticisms, questions, whatever. Um, be like Dan and participate, because participation is fun. <laughs> and And uh someone will give you a trophy (laughs) even if you suck um yeah you can email us modernguiltpod at gmail.com find us on twitter guilt underscore modern um yeah tell us what you think say what's up but other than that stay safe and thank you for listening peace out